John chapter 6. Let's just go over to John chapter 6. We're going to get right into the Word here today. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians mentioned this, and it's something that you can pray for ministers, but you can also, of course, pray for yourself as well. And he said this, Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I might open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel of Christ. And that mystery was what he received from the Lord personally. And that's where we get, he wrote nearly half the New Testament because of revelation that came from Jesus. Yet that being said, Paul said this, Pray for me. So if here's how you want to pray for ministers. Pray for me that, number one, utterance may be given unto me. Secondly, that I might speak boldly, as I ought to speak. Amen? Now, the reason that we can speak as Christians, not just ministers, but as believers, you can speak with boldness. Now, that's not being cocky, okay, or arrogant. It just means confidence. Hallelujah. And the reason that we can speak boldly and confidently is because when you know the truth, there's no middle road, okay? Jesus said you'll know the truth, which is the Word, and the truth, the Word, will set us free. Praise God. And I believe that we can continually pray that for just boldness and for utterance. Praise the Lord. And uh, there's hardly a day that goes by that I don't pray for that. Not just when I'm ministering, but talking to individuals. I have a lot of opportunities to come across individuals, you know, and I want to have the right word at the right moment. Like the Bible says, a word spoken in due season, how good it is. It's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Just to be able to say the right word. Amen. If I know I'm going to see somebody or talk to them within myself, I say, Father, give me wisdom. Give me the right words. Let my words be as the pen of a ready writer, as the psalmist said. Amen. To be able to speak. And you know what? You know what I noticed? That happens. (laughs) Amen. Because, folks, you know, we're the only body of Christ in the earth today. When Jesus was on the earth, and by the way, Brother Glenn, thanks for yielding to the Holy Ghost. That was so, so much from the Lord. That was already in my heart before you even said that this morning. Amen. Just as a confirmation. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, what was I saying? Um, lost my train of thought here. Amen. See, Dan, you understand that, right? <laughs> anyway, um, it'll come back to me. Praise the Lord. But it's just really important that we have the we just have the wisdom of God and the mind of Christ when it comes to uh, operating on a daily basis and yield to Him, lean on Him heavily, leaning on Him. I don't care if you have it. See, a lot of people think this only has to do with ministers and ministry, but listen, when you go on your job, you go to your place of employment or wherever you're at, boy, you need utterance, don't you? You need favor. You need the right words to speak. A wrong word can cause all kind of issues, right? You know that. But the right word, at the right spoken at the right moment, and that doesn't necessarily mean scripture. It can be just the wisdom of God speaking through you. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's been times I've gone up to somebody that wasn't even saved. You know, even more recently, somebody that was going through something, someone that doesn't even know Christ. You know, and I just had the sense in my heart just to tell them, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Amen. It was like this major sigh of relief came over their face when I said that. You know what I mean? And because they're not used to people saying that. Amen? And uh, when you yield to the Holy Spirit, we're not just talking about the power of positive thinking, just being positive. We're talking about something that's governed and controlled by the Holy Spirit in your mouth to open your words and say things. Praise the Lord. You know, God's in the building up business. He wants to help people right where they're at. 
Amen. He's not mad at sinners. He wants to help them. He wants them to know that God is alive, that God is real, that God really cares for them. Because, you know, for, for the most part, a lot of people who were raised in a church, they thought, they thought that maybe God was mad at them, you know, and they always felt, you know, a sense of condemnation and guilt, you know. And they don't know that God's a good God. I think we overuse that phrase sometimes, you know, God is a good God, you know. But He is. And uh, like one guy said, one preacher said, He's absolutely good. That means there's no shadow of turning in Him. Amen. Anyway, praise the Lord. We, uh, we started talking last week um, on the subject as I was praying about this, uh, and we've entitled this, How God Speaks. How does God speak to us? Amen? And if there's ever a time that we, in the body of Christ, need to be more accurate in our hearing from the, the Lord, it's right now. Amen? We as believers can hear things that average people cannot hear. Now, I don't mean just audibly with these physical ears. I'm talking about inside. Okay? When Jesus, for example, when Jesus would say, I only speak what I hear the Father speak. I only do what I see the Father do. Well, does that mean that he was actually physically like I'm looking at you? No, I believe he heard it in his spirit. Yes. Praise the Lord. And so many, so often, so, so many times as believers, we push things off and think, well, that's just my imagination. That couldn't be God. Well, what if it is? You see, God works in the imaginary part of a human being because you're made in His likeness and His image. Amen? And just because you don't have an open vision where it's like we see each other, you can still have a vision in your heart and in your mind. God can put a picture inside of you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Many times when I'm praying for people, you know, I'll get a picture inside of my mind of something I didn't previously think of, you know. And it's God trying to show me to minister to that individual. Anyway, if there's ever a time for us to be able to hear from the Lord more accurately, it's right now. So what I want to do is I want to cover some really basic things about making sure that we're looking at these different avenues where, where God speaks to us. You know, the Scripture tells us in um, 2 Corinthians 3.11 that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, and there's freedom. Amen? I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have liberty and freedom in your life? Yes. Okay. You say, well, I haven't been operating in that too much lately. You know, well, well the, where, notice this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is Lord, there's liberty. When the Holy Spirit's active in your life, there's liberty and there's freedom. Now, when He's not active or we're not activating Him in or integrating Him into our lives on a daily basis then we're not going to have peace and freedom. But if, he, if we realize, and some of the things I'm going to share today is that to realize how important it is to recognize that that body you're living in is the temple of God. <laughs> we'll talk about that here in just a minute here. But um, I made mention of the fact, uh, oh, it's probably been three years at least now, at least three years, maybe a little bit longer than that. Time just gets by so quick. But I, um, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I mentioned this last week, and I shared this also when I first got this three years ago, if you remember, if you've been around here. Um, and I heard this in my spirit. I didn't hear it with these physical ears, okay? But I heard it inside of me. Woke up about th between 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I was right out of a deep sleep, and I woke up and I heard these words. This has happened to me a few times through the years, where you just know it's not just your spirit, it's the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And he said this to me. He said, I heard this word. I, know, I wasn't even thinking this. You know how you wake up and you're just, your mind is like a blank sheet, right? 
And I, I heard these words, the epicenter of all of God's activity is in the born-again human spirit. Right? Remember I shared that last week? The epicenter. Now I looked up the word epicenter and it means there's some other synonyms for it. It means command post, headquarters, main hub, control center, heart, core. Okay? Not normally, you know, when we hear this word, it's in reference to an earthquake. The epicenter of this earthquake over in such and such or whatever country, you know, they'll tell you the location. That's, that's like the heart. That's the core. But the, but the Lord said this to me. And I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I've heard this word used before, but I've never personally, up to this point, never used this word. You know what I'm saying? The word epicenter. Even though I know what it was, I knew it existed, but I never used it before. But the Lord was wanting to get my attention because all of God's activity is in the born again. Notice this born again human spirit. That's the command post. That's the headquarters. That's the main hub, right? That's the control center. It's kind of like, you know, that, like we said across, if you look out, go to the parking lot, look over, you can see the Pittsburgh International Airport and you can see the control tower, right? And from that control tower, you have these people up there. What do they call those people? The... Uh, traffic control people, you know, and uh, they see the big picture. They see the big picture. They look on their radar. They can see planes hundreds of miles away before they get here. And they're controlling and telling me what altitude, which direction to go so that everything lands smoothly. We don't really think about that. We think it's just all up to the pilot, but the pilot's in control. He's, he's in control to a certain degree, but the command center, the epicenter is that tower over there that's controlling to tell them which way to go. You with me now? Now, that's the same thing as a born-again child of God. And in uh, the first, let's look at this scripture here. I'm going to show you something here. Because people say, is it possible for me to hear God? Is it possible? Well, I'll tell you, the first time you ever heard him was this verse right here. John 6, verse 44, it says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Okay? And I will raise him up on that last day. Can I have an amen? amen? No man can come to me. Jesus said that. And that would include us, right? Are you a man or woman? Of course. Okay? No man can come to me except the Father draw him. And I will raise him up on that last day. Glory to God. How many of you know the Lord? Well, guess what? You heard from the Lord. There was something in you that drew you to him. And you said yes, however you did that. And we all have different testimonies, of course. But there's, there was something that was drawing you to him. And that was the Father's voice. And when you responded to it, you were born again. Okay? Right? So in other words, you heard from the Lord. Praise God. Now, God, does that mean God's only speaking to certain people? I believe He's drawing everybody. He said, if I be lifted up, He's talking about the cross. I'll draw all men unto me. Amen? So God is wooing and drawing people, but a lot of people shut off uh, what's being broadcasted, right? And God's, draw, trying, God's will is not that, that any person should perish, but all should come to repentance. Amen? God's not willing that any should perish or go to hell but that all should come to repentance. Amen? Yes. 
But the problem is, is a lot of times people have all these different thoughts and ideas in their minds and it shuts off, the, at least for a time period, it shuts off God from being able to speak to them because of the condition of their heart and their mind. Now we know that 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that Satan is the God of this world who hath blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine into them. Amen? Now, the Bible says that all of us at one point in our lives, we were under the control of the prince of the power of the air. All of us were. None of us get out of that. But somehow we heard something that caused us to break out of that thing. Amen? And go from darkness to light. And it comes down to be able to, to discern God's voice. You heard God's voice, even though it wasn't like my voice in the, in the natural. You heard something and it drew you to Him. Amen? And when you did, you heard from the Lord. And it drew you in and you made Him the Lord of your life. And you became a child of the living God. So the first key to recognizing God's voice this is really basic. The first key to recognizing God's voice is to be born of Him or born again. Remember Jesus said that in John 3, 3, no man can, come to, no man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Oh, I've seen probably a couple of times I've seen like maybe you have a bumper sticker and, and it says this. It says, I was born okay the first time. Did you ever see that bumper sticker? Well, what's that supposed to mean? Making a mockery of the new birth. Because Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, sometimes Hollywood will say, so-and-so has been born again. They had to come back. You know, they had several years. They weren't doing any films. But now they had to come back, and they'll say things like, they've been born again. Okay. That's not the kind of born again we're talking about here. You ever heard that phrase before? But Jesus, talking to Nicodemus, who was a religious leader of his day, he said, you know, he said, Nick, <laughs> no man can be born, no man can, be, can see the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again. Remember that? We understand that phrase. Well, you know, the reason that a lot of people don't see things is because they've been only once born. The reason they're confused, they don't understand you sometimes, is because they've been once born. But we've been twice born. Right? We were born physically and then we're born again spiritually. Hallelujah. And when you're born again spiritually, you're on the inside looking out instead of the outside looking in. You're able to see things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever try to explain things, spiritual things to people? Sometimes it just falls on deaf ears. It's like, you know what I'm saying? They don't, they don't get it. Why? They're spiritually blind. Satan, the God, small g of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Amen. Now, with that being said, we have to realize, and I've, I've done this many, many times in praying for loved ones, family members that weren't born again. And I learned this from Kenneth E. Hagin. He said, you know, the spirit that, that, that blinds people is the devil. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers, you know. But that, that doesn't mean we throw up our hands and say, well, he's blinded everybody. I guess we're done. <laughs> no. He said that in reference to that we, have, we can take authority over blinding spirits that blind people from the truth of the Word of God. Amen? Now, I remember my first encounter with this is when I tried to witness to my mother and father. Okay? When I got saved as a 16-year-old teenager, you know, and I was helping my mother do the dishes one day, 
She was washing it. I was drying. You know, we had those chores back in the day, you know. And uh, one, day my, one, one day my sister would do it. The next day I would do it, you know, right? And so here I am. I'm born again, 16 years old. And I started sharing with my mother about my experience. And I, my, my, my heart was like, she needs to hear this. This is so exciting, you know. Well, her first response was she got mad at me. Her first response was, I, didn't I raise you good enough? Now, I wasn't expecting that, okay? I thought she'd be all open arms and embrace and say, wow, that's awesome. Tell me more. But it wasn't like that at first. And I don't know, maybe I didn't use wisdom or something, but I remember talking to my mother, you know, and I said, well, if you don't get born again, you're going to go to a hot place. H-E double toothpicks, right? <laughs> and that just freaked her out. Because she was hiding behind a religious cloak of uh, Methodist. We grew up in the Methodist church, you know. And I guess it got loud enough. My father, who was downstairs in the basement, he had a workbench down there. And he had all his tools and everything. And he's working, you know. He he did stuff with his hands, you know. He was real good with that, you know. And I guess it was loud enough where he heard it. He came running up the steps. Now, for him to run up the steps, that's a miracle in itself. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. He ran up the steps, started screaming and yelling at me. It turned into a shouting match, not on my part, but, but you know, um, it was bad. I started crying and everything. It was just horrible, you know. I thought, my God, I didn't expect this. And see, what was happening is the light was shining on darkness that was there. And then what happened was it exposed the darkness and them, and the darkness didn't like it at first, Okay. And so I, I left the house. I went down to my buddy's house, you know. And, and I, it was right around that time that I got a hold of Brother Kenneth E. Hagin's ministry, okay? I never heard of the guy before, but he was on the radio, you know, and I'd hear different teachings every, almost every day. And, and, and I heard him talk about that scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, you know. He says what we can do is we can take authority over those blinding spirits, take take authority over them, take dominion, break them off of that person's life. And then when the gospel comes, they're in more a better position to receive it. Are you with me now? And so um, I was with a buddy friend of mine. His name was Jim, okay? I had the privilege to lead him to the Lord when I was in junior high school, you know? And we became best friends, you know? We had, we had prayer meetings. I'm telling you, we started having prayer meetings in his basement and, you know, on Friday nights. I mean... It, I could just go on and on about that. But it was just he, just, he got radically turned on to the Lord. Now, now I came from a family. I had a brother and a sister and my parents, right? He had like something like five or six brothers and sisters, mostly brothers, you know. None of them were saved, right? And so we're kind of just, I'm new at this, you know. We're just learning some things about this dominion and authority. So I remember shortly after that time, and I remember it so vividly that I was up. Uh, I, we had gone out, it was a Friday night, I believe, and we had pulled in my driveway, and it was dark. Uh, my parents were in bed. I could see their bedroom windows. You know, it was the middle of the summer. And, uh, and we, just, we just got on the subject, let's just start praying for our family. Let's do what we've heard about breaking the blinding spirits off of our loved ones, our parents, our brothers, our sisters. So we did that, okay? And uh, God is my witness. We, we prayed in that car, in my car, that blue Monte Carlo, 1974, 
And I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I don't know exactly how I prayed, but we took authority, broke the power of the devil, blinding the eyes of my parents, you know. Because my sister and I, we got saved first, okay. My parents, they came in on it later, right. But we got persecuted at first. My wife had the same thing happen to her. She was heavily persecuted in her family. Came from a Roman Catholic background, you know. But, that, I mean, they heavily persecuted her. But she stuck with it. She stuck with Jesus, stuck with the Word, and uh, turned out pretty good. Amen? Hallelujah. Didn't, didn't give in, didn't back up because of persecution. See, a lot of people back up because of persecution. That's the last thing you want to do, you know, trying to please everybody. What you need to do is please God, please Jesus. Amen? The rest will take care of itself. Too many people are afraid of what other people's response is going to be. Oh, you mean you go to that church? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, get ready for some persecution. Sometimes, because people may not like it, right? Now, even, even believers, I'll just try to touch it. Sometimes believers can yield to that evil spirit, not even realizing it, okay? It's a form of persecution. Because people, they don't, they're afraid of the power. They don't want to be around the power of God. They want to be in their nice, neat, little traditional church where everything, you know exactly what's going to happen at every second. Everything's man-planned. Everything's planned out, planned out, planned out. The problem is, is you plan out the Holy Ghost. He has no room to move. He has no room to speak. And the Lord's back there, I want to say something, but no one will listen. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad that he feels at home in our church. Amen. That's our goal to be, you know, not seeker friendly, but Holy Ghost friendly. I never said that before. Amen. I want to be Holy Ghost friendly. Praise the Lord. And so, shortly after that period of time, my parents both came in. Same time, same place. They were on a retreat. They went to a, a Methodist retreat of all things. And they both got saved. They came back. They said, we understand. They came in the house. I was there by myself. They were gone for two days. They came in with a big smile on their face. They said, I'm thinking, what's going on here? That's what happened. They said, well, son, we understand where you're coming from now. I said, well, tell me what happened. So they proceeded to tell me what happened. Well, they, you know, they went to a retreat, you know, and the gospel was presented to them. No, actually, I take it back. It was a, police, a policeman's retreat because my, my father was a policeman in the city of Pittsburgh for years, all right? But there was a, there was a somebody had created an outreach within the police organization, at least back then in the 70s. It was an outreach to policemen and their families, you know, Christian, right? Well, they went away. They got born again. Amen? And things started to change. Things started to change because at first they thought I was going to a church that was a cult. They said, you're going to that cult. No, it's a church. They preach the Bible. Amen? Well, guess what? They ended up following us in. And they left behind the old dead church, and they came over to where we were. Now, it didn't all happen all at once, but it all goes back to taking authority over those evil spirits that blind their eyes. Amen? Now, on my friend's side, Jim, okay, now, a little bit later, it didn't happen all at once, but little by little, I mean, he had persecution from his family, big time, all right? And, uh, you know, but we, we just didn't let it stop us. Amen? I had people to get a little bit of persecution. Friends, they just backed off. They just backed off. I don't understand that because when you know the truth, you want to stay with the truth. 
You're not trying to please every person that comes along. And I mean to tell you, one night, it was a winter night, same year, my friend Jim, now you have to understand, he's, he's, he's pretty overweight, you know. He's a great, great guy, just a lovely guy. He ran up from his house. He lived like a mile from where I was. He ran up in the middle of the night. This is back when the, it was really, really cold in the, one of the winters we had, you know. And he banged on the door, and I was like, what in the world's going on? I didn't know who it was. He opened up, opened up the doors. My friend, he goes, he goes, i got to tell you what happened. I thought something was wrong. He came in. He's talked about how his, his oldest brother, his name is Dennis, got saved. And he was the worst one. Because here's the thing. We would have these Friday night prayer meetings, you know. First of all, we'd go down, my friend and I, Jim, we would go down to... Um, uh, Liberty Avenue on Friday nights. We'd take a bus down on Friday nights. Downtown, you know when it was the old Red, red District, right? It's changed now. But back in the 70s and 60s, that was a really bad place. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But we, you know, the Lord directed us to go down there and witness. And we saw several people come to the Lord. We didn't know exactly what we were doing. We just had a compel in our spirits to go down there and share the gospel with people, you know. And, um, and we saw a lot of people get saved. So we, anyway, we would drive home, and then that night we would go down in his basement. We have a little prayer meeting down in his basement, my friend Jim, right? And, um, and one time we were praying, and his brother was upstairs. Now, he would usually come down about 10 o'clock at night, get in his car, and go out to some bar somewhere, okay? He's going to go out and get hammered, go to a bar, you know, and you know, then not know where he's at and that kind of a thing, you know? And he came down. And we were on our knees. We, the Lord directed us to get on our knees and pray in the basement. We were praying for his family. And we heard the door open. He starts walking down the steps, you know. And because uh, <laughs> he's a big guy, you know. He's a football player in high school. And there was this immediate pressure to jump up on the couch and act like you're not praying. Okay. I'm telling you the God-awesome truth here. <laughs> we're... I looked over at him, he, and Jim, my friend, he just goes, nope, we'll stay right where we're at, you know? And, I, and you can almost feel Mark behind you, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he just walked past, he goes, idiots. That's what he said, stupid idiots or something like that, you know? <laughs> but guess what? That same year, he was in, he was in a, uh, a bar and an old schoolmate who got saved saw him in there, came in there, witnessed to him. He got born again. Okay? Then his other brother came in. Yeah. And, uh, and both of them are in heaven today. They're, they're, they left the earth. They, they're in heaven right now. But it all, it all started with the seed of, you know, in whom the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine into their hearts. That's a spiritual light. So if you're with a family member, and you're in a household where someone isn't born again, and they're not walking with God, you don't have to fight flesh and blood. You're not, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Now if you get down on that mental, and I tried to do that with my parents, it turned into a big argument. Okay, because uh, not on my part, they were just they were just upset because light was being exposed, and they were like, "What do you mean? We raised you the right way." You know what I'm saying? Okay, 
And that was upsetting at first. It would have been easy to just pull back and draw back and just say, well, maybe I'm being a little bit too radical here. But I didn't do it. Amen? I thank God that he gave me a backbone. Amen? Amen? And I mean, I, I dealt, believe me, I dealt with persecution. Okay? Hallelujah. I mean, even after I got born again and I got different jobs, I had different women proposition me at work. Okay? Now, when you're, when you're in the world, you want that. Okay? Are you with me now? And uh, by no uncertain means, things would happen, things would transpire, words were said, hey, you could meet me after work here, that kind of a thing. But there was something in me, there was something in me that said, no way, Jose, I'm not going there. Amen? I'm holy. My body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. I belong to God. I don't do that kind of stuff. Amen? What was that? Spirit of God in me that said, don't do that. Stay away from that. Stay away from those people. Okay? And I was a young believer. Are you with me now? Is that okay we share things like this in church sometimes? Okay? Um, but it's just really important to, to understand that you can pray. If you have a loved one, no matter who it is, you can take authority in the name of Jesus over those dark, blinding spirits that are blinding that man or that woman, that boy, that girl in your household instead of causing grief all the time. You can say, no, I take authority and call that person's name out, not in front of them, but in your privacy of your own prayer closet. You say, no, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break and take authority over the devil right now. Amen. Now, I had something to, a few years back here. I, my, my brother got married to a lovely woman. Her name is Rebecca, okay? And she's just perfect for my brother. My brother went through a lot of different stuff through the years and in uh, drugs and things of that nature and addicted to drugs and what have you. And, and then she came along. I'm telling you, what, it was probably one of the best things beside Jesus that ever happened to him, you know? She's just a, a lovely person. Well... Her father, Rebecca's father, his name is Tom, okay? And he's just a great Christian man, wonderful guy, you know? And I remember talking with him uh, on one occasion many, many years ago. And he, he had a, a wayward brother that was uh, uh, really in a bad way. He was an alcoholic, uh, a wife beater, <laughs> you name it. That usually kind of goes hand in hand, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, all, all kind of problems, and his brother, Tom's brother, would not respond to anything that had to do with the gospel. He would just curse you out, cuss you out, whatever you want to, however you want to say that, you know. And, and I was, my, my, uh, my brother's father-in-law was telling me this. And you could tell he was really concerned. He goes, man, I'll tell you, he's just violent. He doesn't want to hear anything. Especially if you start talking about the word with him, he doesn't want to hear it, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm remembering this, what happened to me years before that, because the Word of God still works all the time, okay? Now, I didn't even plan on going in this direction this morning. It's not in my notes, but that's okay. The Holy Ghost is in charge, right? Nobody would drive down the road 80 miles an hour, and there's a big sign that says cliff, bridges out, and drive straight over that cliff in their right mind. Nobody would do it. 
but somebody that's not in the right mind might do that. Okay? So the reason that people are they're bent, hell bent on going down a certain direction is because they have blinders in their minds, in their eyes, spiritual eyes, that have to be removed for them to see their condition and their need for Jesus. Okay? And so I was talking to my, my, this, uh, my father's brother-in-law, and I said, I said, well, you know, and he happened to live in the state of Florida. Okay? So, the, you know, that's about a thousand miles away or so from here. And um, basically he was living on the street drinking a fifth of whiskey every day, you know, just, just, a, a, his life was a mess, you know. Well, come to find out, because I shared with my friend Tom about this, I said, I said, you know, and he was open to it too, thank God. Now, some Christians are not open. You try, you try to tell them a little bit and they'd say, hey, what about those stealers? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> try to change the subject. I've had that happen. It's like, okay, you want to change the subject here on me, all right? Well, he didn't do that. He was interested. And so I said, shared that scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. And he said, yeah, it goes, okay, I see that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I said, here's what we're going to do. If you, if, with your permission, we'll pray for him. There's no distance in the spirit realm. He's there in Florida. We're up here in Pennsylvania. Okay? And uh, he's out in Elizabeth. You know, that's where we were. And so we prayed Called, I don't even remember the, his brother's name, but we called out his brother's name. We broke the power of the devil over him. And you know, just a short time after that, I saw him again, Tom. He says, guess what? My brother got saved. Now, he's, he since went on to be with the Lord, okay? His life, he had a horrible lifestyle, you know what I mean? It just caught up to him, his, his physical body, you know? But thank God he got saved. He went to heaven, amen? But he said, someone came up, Someone, it was through the music industry. You know, it's amazing how God will use different things. God knows who to send across that loved one's path. And it may not be a preacher, per se. It might be just a person. Someone that, a musician, or could, in this case, it was a musician that had a conversion that used to be not saved. They got saved, and he's listening to them, and now he starts listening to gospel music. His brother, he got born again. Amen? Hallelujah. The spirits that are in this world right now are subject unto us in the name of Jesus. They're subject to us. We have authority over them. Amen? Well, pastor, you know, just... I've tried that before. We don't try this. We do it. Okay? Now, once you take authority, now, when we took authority, it didn't look like anything changed. When I prayed for my family and stuff, it didn't look like right away there was any change. But, you know, when you seal the deal, you know it in your spirit. I've prayed. I did what I know to do. The rest is in God's hands. I just roll the care of that on the Lord. He's going to take care of this right now. The problem is, is when we do things, we take authority, then we take the care right back of that person, that loved one. Like, well, it sure doesn't look like they're changing. Don't be moved by what you see. Amen. See, we've been taught to a certain degree to not be moved by our five physical senses when it comes to physical healing. But the same truth would apply 
to your finances, to loved ones coming to the Lord. You're not moved by what you see or what you feel. You're moved by the Word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. How do you walk by faith? You walk by the Word. Amen. And if you walk by the Word of God in any given circumstance, you're going to win. You're going to come out on top. But if you're always waiting for things to change in the natural before you believe, that's the Thomas kind of faith. Thomas, Jesus told him, says, because you have seen, you believe. Jesus said, blessed are they that have not seen with these eyes, yet believe. You seal the deal in here first. Amen. Hallelujah. So in order, in order to recognize God's, God's voice, first of all, you have to be born again, a child of God. Amen? Yes. And once you recognize His voice, Jesus said in John, My sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they're not going to follow. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. One night after a prayer meeting I was having at my friend's house, my friend Jim, I'm driving home late at night, and we only live like a mile apart. And, uh, and I came up, I was going the way I went home, one of those old cobblestone roads that's still there to this day, you know. And we had a friend of ours that was in the same grade as us. His name was Pat, okay. And... Uh, and I, I was driving home, it was like 11 o'clock at night or so, maybe a little bit after that. And I heard inside of me, he said, stop, Pat needs help. I'm going right past this, I already went past this house, so I put it in reverse and backed up, you know. And I'm thinking, well, it's kind of late, he's probably in bed, you know. And uh, so I was kind of I was, I was hesitant, because you know the Bible says, prove all things, hold fast to that, which is good. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me in a still small voice, he said, um, Pat needs your help right now. So I backed it up, put it in park, turned off the, <laughs> the car, you know. And I went and I saw a light on downstairs. And so I kind of softly walked, knocked on the door. And my friend came to the door, Pat, you know. He goes, Keith. He goes, man, am I glad to see you. Come on in. Come on in, you know. And uh, so I walked in. He says, man. He goes, he, goes, he goes, it's almost like an angel was sent to me tonight. He goes, I've been so depressed so down and discouraged about everything, you know, whatever was going on in his life, you know. And I had the opportunity to lead him to Christ right there that night, late at night there. Amen. He was in a really dire, and I didn't know that because I hadn't seen him. I hadn't even talked to him. But the Holy Spirit knew. Okay. Now, I could have shoved that off and just said, oh, that's just me. I could have done that. Okay. But what if it's the Lord? See, don't be afraid to take risks. You say, well, what if I miss it? So what? Do you think God's going to condemn me for trying? <laughs> Amen? Well, you pray for people and the devil says, what if they don't get healed? What if they do? Amen? We always go to the negative sides, you know, instead of the positive side. I just believe when we pray for people, they're going to be healed every single time. Every time. Amen? Just like salvation. So, you know, he gave his heart to the Lord that night. And I saw him this past summer. He was back up in town. and We, we met and had breakfast together, him and his wife, you know. And now um, he's not in a, like a, a good church or anything like that, but he's still saved. 
Amen? And it just, just the still, small voice, the inward witness was telling me to do that. Amen? Instead of thinking, they're going to think you're not real cool. You know? Well, I don't care. Amen? You know, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, the inward witness is so powerful. It's almost, it's just as real as a personal visitation from God himself. Fast forward a couple of years. I'm in high school, okay? I think it was my senior year, either junior or senior year. And I was with my friend Jim again, okay? We're sitting in Rudy's Submarine Shop on Route 51 in Brentwood. Anybody remember that place? Rudy's Submarine Shop. Okay? We're at a restaurant, right? We're eating. All of a sudden, out of the clear blue, I spoke up and said, I'm going to marry a girl named Lynn. And my friend looked at me and said, Really? Where is she? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is three or four years before I met Lynn. Okay? But I'm the Holy Spirit shows you things to come. I wasn't planning that. We're just, in, you know, having a hoagie for Pete's sake. You know, we're just enjoying ourselves, right? At a restaurant. But the Spirit of the Lord said, you're going to marry a girl named Lynn. And my friend remembers that too. I spoke up. He said, well, okay. You know. <laughs> Amen. We just didn't doubt it, you know. And, uh, well, God said it. And God did it. And there she sits, right there. <laughs> we'll be married 40 years this, this coming July. Amen. Hallelujah. Same woman for 40 years. Amen. Hallelujah. Because I got it right the first time. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Does that mean everything's been perfect along the road? No, of course not. Of course not. You still got things in the flesh to work out. There's no perfect couple. There's no perfect person, right? And what God joins together, you still have to work at it. You don't just lay back and do nothing. You still have to work at it and learn how to communicate, learn how to talk, right? Welcome to the marriage seminar this morning, right? <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm just amazed at this because um, go to 1 Corinthians. Uh, let's see here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll wrap this up here this morning because we're almost out of time here. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3. How do we recognize God's voice? First of all, realize you have to be born of Him, born of the Spirit. Once you're born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and that's where He begins to communicate with you from the inside, the epicenter, correct? That's the core, the heart, the hub, the main hub if you will. Not out there, but in here. Now, under the Old Testament, they had such a disadvantage. You have to realize they had such a major disadvantage that if any, the common person or believer, if you would say, follower of God, if they wanted to hear from God, they couldn't hear for themselves. They had to go to either a prophet, a priest, or a king. Think about that. Because they're the only ones that were anointed by God and they audibly would hear God's voice because no one could hear the inward witness because God wasn't in them yet. But yet the Spirit of God would come upon them and for ministry and prophetic type things, right? 
Okay? Um, so if, if the common believer, as you would say, wanted to hear from the Lord, they had to go to a prophet, priest, or a king. And it, whatever they said, whatever they heard, that's what you followed. Amen? But under the New Testament, thank God we're under the New Testament. The Bible says as many as are led by the prophets. No. It says as many as are led by the Spirit of God in Romans chapter 8, they are the sons of God. And the Spirit beareth witness with our spirits that we're the children of God. How do you know you're a child of God? Your spirit beareth witness. You just know. How do you know what I'm talking about? You know you're a child of God. Well, that same witness, which is so, it almost seems so subtle that you know you're saved, is the same inward witness. And when Jesus appeared to Brother Kenneth E. Hagin in that hospital in 1959 in El Paso, Texas, and that's where the book came from, How to Be Led by the Spirit of God, Jesus himself came into that hospital room, pulled up a chair, sat down. He had the Roman sandals on, the robe, everything. No one else came in the room for two hours, two hours. Jesus talked to him about that subject, about how to be led by the Spirit of God, and that's where that book came from. It was birthed from heaven. Jesus said, I'm going to teach you so that you can teach others how to be led by my Spirit in every situation. And Jesus said this, the number one way that I lead all of my children is by the inward witness. Say inward witness. Okay? Secondly, it's the inward voice. But the first part is the inward witness. You see, you have the witness in yourself that you're a child of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's not words. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, okay. You just know you're a child of God. Did someone prophesy that to you? Did an angel appear to you and tell you that? No, you just have an inward witness, a knowing. That's called the inward witness. That's, Jesus said, that's the number one way that I will lead all of my children by the inward witness. That's the number one. Big number one. Hashtag number one. <laughs> right? We used to call it like a checkerboard, right? <laughs> right? Now it's hashtag, right? Number one, the number one way that God leads all of his children, if you've been saved for five minutes or five seconds, that's the number one way he's going to lead you. He's going to lead you by the inward witness. So many times people are looking for the spectacular when they're missing the supernatural. Okay? Sometimes we get disappointed because we want the spectacular. You know, we get the impression sometimes reading through the Bible in the book of Acts that an angel appeared to the, the disciples every morning for breakfast and talked to them. Those were rare occasions. Rare occasions. Okay? But for the, for the most part, the main way that God is going to lead. Now, that doesn't mean that vision, visions are, they can be of God and should be and will be. Amen? Visions and dreams, amen, and they have their place. They are from God, okay? But the number one way that God's going to lead us as believers is by the inward witness. The inward witness. Say inward witness. Okay? When the, oh, I mean, there's so many different ways we could go here, but go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Did I have you turn there? Look at verse 16. 
uh, it says right here, Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Where's the, where's the temple of God? In us. In your body. It doesn't even say your spirit is the temple of God. It says your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow. The temple. I'm looking at a bunch of temples right now. Not Shirley Temple. <laughs> but you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I don't know where that came from, but you know. I'm free. I'm free. I can have fun. Even if my jokes are corny, I can have fun. I know they're stupid sometimes, but you know, you got to learn to laugh at yourself sometimes too, right? Amen? Look in the mirror and laugh at yourself. It'll help you sometimes, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't take life so seriously all the time. Learn how to enjoy life. Have some fun. Don't be serious all the time. I know because I used to be serious all the time. You are the temple of God. Can I get a witness? You are the temple of the living God. And what does that mean? The Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Amen? You know, even Romans says that, that you know, that, that the kingdom of God is not what we eat or what we drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and notice this, joy in the Holy Ghost. I like what Brother Hankin says, you can't get a sad Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen? The righteousness, is, it, the kingdom of God is not what we eat or drink. There's a southern translation, the Cotton Patch translation says, the kingdom of God is not coffee and donuts. <laughs> but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Say joy in the Holy Ghost. Could you use some joy? Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if you have inside information on something, you better believe you can have joy. Because you know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit will have you laughing at the most inopportune times. And full of joy because you know the outcome. You know how it's going to turn out. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. Because we're not governed by what we see. We're not governed by what we physically hear. We're governed by the Holy Ghost. And our bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost. Say, my body, my body. is God's home. home. Thank you, Lord. So instead of when you pray, get a mental image of like, like, you're like God, I know you're, miles, you're millions of miles away. You're out there in the heavenly somewhere in the stratosphere out there. I know you're out there somewhere. You know, wait a second. Your body's the temple. How close is that? It's closer than you think. These are close encounters of a God kind. I mean, where he comes and he moves on the inside of you. Your body's the temple. So, no, it's God's dwelling place. Amen? Yes. Now, back in the Old Testament, they had the literal temple of God where God's presence was. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, I mean, right when he was on the cross, actually, the Bible says the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, not bottom to top. 
And, you know, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, said that that curtain temple was 40 feet long, 20 feet high, and 4 inches thick. Signifying that no human tore that. That would separate the common people from the presence of God in the temple in the Holy of Holies. And when God, when Jesus on the cross, he saw the temple was rent from top to bottom. Signifying that God was no longer going to live in a temple made with hands. But he was going to live in a temple called you and me. Amen? And it says they were at Antioch called Christians for the first time. Little anointed ones. That's what Christian means. We are ones that are anointed with God. We have God living on the inside of us. We're anointed. We have that anointing on the inside of us. So Paul says here, matter of fact, he mentions it three times. We'll just quick, we'll go through it real quickly and then we'll close here. Go over to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse 19, it's 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Paul again says this, What? With a question mark. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God, you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So notice, you know, and he told the Corinthians, he said, he said right before, they said, flee fornication. Right? Look at verse 18. In context, he says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? You see, your body is the temple. Okay? Now you have to understand, folks, back in the days of Paul and the Corinth, the Corinthian church, the way that they would have, well, they, the religious people would worship back then is they would go up and have sex with prostitutes before the temple and in the temple. Hello? Okay? Have you ever studied the you know, Greek goddess Diana and stuff? You know, you know what I'm talking about. And this is the kind of background that they came out of. Okay? You know, we ought to be able to talk about this in church sometimes, right? But this is the kind of background, the religious background that they came out of. And Paul said, look, you came out of that system. You're not part of that system anymore. Your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price. You, your body. Notice not just your spirit, but your body's been bought with a price. Oh, my body's been bought with a price. Amen. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, thank God for the blood of Jesus, because if, 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 Anything that we've ever done wrong in the flesh, even after we've been born again, if you've confessed it before God, gave it to Him, that blood washes that out as if it never existed. He will not hold you responsible for that. His blood is powerful. Hallelujah. So I think 
the second thing to recognize God's voice is to, first of all, be born of the Spirit, and then secondly, realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I say this on a regular basis to myself because many times you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like your body's the temple. <laughs> your body has a voice, doesn't it? Right? Amen? Next time somebody cuts you off on the highway, just listen to what your flesh wants to do. Your body has a voice. When someone does something to you or says something to you, your body has a voice. It wants to rise up. That Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 9.27, he says, I keep my body under. I bring it, body, into subjection. Lest by any means when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway or disapproved. Now, who's the I? Spirit. I, Paul, the real me, keep my body. Notice the separation between I and the body. I keep my body under. I keep it under. I bring it under subjection. Now, the best way to do that, you know, the, you know, the Scripture tells us that crucify the flesh, you know, but the Bible says walk in the Spirit, first of all, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not just crucifying the flesh, crucifying the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and that automatically happens. Okay? Walk in the Spirit. What's walking in the Spirit? Walking in love. Walking in love. Because when you walk in love, you're walking in the Spirit because Jesus is love. Amen? You see, if I love you, I'm not going to steal from you. If I, love, if I really love you, I'm not going to lie about you. Amen? Or bear false witness. Or break any of the other commandments. Because love is a fulfilling of the law. That's what the Scripture says. Praise God. Love fulfills all the commandments. There doesn't have to be a law against doing this and doing that because the law of love is the only commandment that we're to be guided by and led by. Be led by, guided by love because love will determine what you say and what you do and how you act and how you react in every circumstance. Even though your body has a voice. Okay? Even, even the Apostle Paul, I mean, you know, you think about Paul, the great Apostle Paul, you mean he had to deal with his body? Yep. His body wanted to do things that his spirit didn't want to do. He goes, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that you cannot do the one things that you want to do. Amen. And there's that tug of war between the flesh and the spirit, you know. But if we're led by the spirit, guided by the spirit, that will automatically crucify the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh, you know, in Galatians chapter 5 talks about, you know, witchcraft, variance, hatred, right? All the different works of the flesh. Jealousy, envy, you know, getting jealous of people, right? Those are all works of the flesh. Even witchcraft is a work of the flesh. But if we're led and guided, directed by the Holy Spirit, those things will just automatically, they'll get under our feet. Amen? It's like, it's like get, getting an email from something that you know that's not any good. Instead of clicking on it and opening it up, you just delete it. Because you don't know who it came from. Right? Amen? I had somebody that was sending 
emails to my uh, church account. I had no idea who it was, you know. And, and, the, and the caption was, click on these and I'll show you my intimate pictures. Okay? Well, what did you do, Brother Keith? I didn't look at them. I clicked on it and erased it. Amen? I'm trying to find a way so I, can't, I can block that person. I haven't found that yet, you know what I mean? But, you know, you have an option when the flesh is presenting itself to you, you know. And people, you know, people automatically, they look for churches to do that with. Did you know that? That's how evil the devil is. He'll look for churches and send them emails and crazy type of stuff, you know. But uh, there is a click button and there's an on and off switch like on your television. Amen? Because we're not, we're not going there. Someone says, well, let's just see what this is all about. No, 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 no. I'm just being God honest with you this morning about these things. Because your flesh has a voice. Your flesh has a voice, but you just have to shut that thing down. Just shut it down. The easiest time to pull up a bad thought is when it's first planted. If you plant a tree, if you plant a tree um, that, or a bush or something like that, the easiest time to pull it up is when you first plant it because the root system hasn't developed yet. But you give it a few months and a year or two, you know, and then that root system goes down there. You're going to pull all you want, but it's not coming up. When a thought comes, a bad thought comes to you, it comes to all of us, right? You say, no, in the name of Jesus, I cast that thing down. I'm not touching you with a 10-foot pole. I'm not even going near you. Amen? And by doing that, you're allowing your spirit to guide you. Amen? Now, let's close here. This is the last scripture here. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Holy Spirit can get you out of so many ditches if you just listen to Him. And I believe you'd want to listen. Be here today if you didn't want to hear from the Lord. The Holy Spirit can get you out of bad relationships. He can get you out of bad situations. If you, if you listen to Him, He will help you. Even if you've made mistakes, it doesn't matter. The Lord will still help you. Aren't you glad for that? See, I'll tell you, if God was looking for perfect people, none of us would be available. He'd be looking for a long, hard time. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has light or righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Notice that the believer is called righteousness. And he's called light. The unbelievers called unrighteousness and darkness. Verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial or the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And verse 16 says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? See how it says there the third time there again that you're the temple of God? He says, For you're the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and, I'll be your, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Isn't that encouraging? Now, Paul is writing to Christians here. He's not writing to unbelievers. 
Corinthians is a letter, is one of the epistles, letters written to the church, people that are born again, tongue talkers, spirit filled, have the manifestation of the spirit in their midst, in their assembly. Okay? And Paul is, if he's saying that to them then, why wouldn't he be saying it to us now? Amen? If, I, if, if we know what we're supposed to come out of without knowing what we're going to go into, it's hard to come out. When we come out of darkness, we come into the light. We don't go into nothing. We go into the light. And that's why, you know, in a church setting like this, when you come, you know, for the most part we have once a week, we meet together, right? There's light that's going forward today. There's light, spiritual light that's going into your heart and into your mind that'll set your course. That's what my heart's prayer is for the rest of the week and the things that have been shared here. Well, they'll come back to your mind. You'll be just going along and all of a sudden you'll be like, hmm, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, we're supposed to meditate upon these things. Paul said to Timothy, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly unto them that thy profiting may appear unto all. We're supposed to meditate on the fact that we're the temple of God. God lives in me, and if God's in me, if I'm meditating on the fact that my body's the temple of God, then uh, I'm not looking for someone to prophesy over me over here or, or someone to say something over here. I've got the Holy Spirit already on the inside of me. You think He'll tell you what to do? You think He'll put an idea inside your mind? Praise God. I'm telling you, a lot of times I, like you, I've come up against things. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this situation. I don't, I don't know the first part to the last part. I don't know what to do right here, but you do, Lord. Amen. <laughs> and he knows how to adjust and switch and change and rearrange and arrange certain things if we look to him. But just knowing that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 